Ian Westmoreland, and I'm the founder of uh, two not-for-profit organizations, uh, Mentoring Men and Kintsugi Heroes. And I'm the currently the CEO of Kintsugi Heroes as well. So what inspired you to create both organizations? Well, I had a, a life-changing moment on the 10th of September, 2013. I got on the train to come to work and I continued to read a book that my youngest daughter had given me. And what I read that day uh, motivated me, led to me leaving paid work in May, 2014. So I've been a full-time volunteer for the last nine plus years. And initially I, I felt led down to start mentoring young kids in high schools in Australia. Um, and then in addition to that, I started mentoring kids in primary schools. And then in, in addition to that, I became a coordinator for another mentoring program into the family environment. And then in 2018, I was mentoring a young guy in one of the Sydney high schools. And in a, a, a chat with him, he shared with me that his father had suicided. His mum was an addict who was in and out of rehab. Um, he was living with his grandparents, which he hated. And then he just turned and he looked me in the eyes and he started crying. And then he said, Ian, help me. And uh, uh, what can you do? And I debriefed with a program counsellor afterwards, I guess, looking for advice. And she said, Ian, are you okay? And I just started crying myself over that situation. Mm. So after a couple of months, I realised that I wanted to have a mentor just like these young guys that I've been mentoring. And should distinguish the most or well, many people in business mentoring means someone with acquired skills knowledge and experience right. guides directs advises someone else uh, what i talk about is life mentoring which is predominantly listening it's supporting and encouraging and so i was looking just uh, you know, people aren't broken they don't need fixing they just need to be validated they need to be shown respect love for so um I was flat for a couple of months and it motivated me to look around for an organization that provided this type of life mentoring to men. And I was surprised and incredibly disappointed to find there was nothing suitable. Right. Um, and it motivated me to write a proposal to establish what was to become mentoring men. And there's a, there's a whole bunch of steps. I've, I've left out a number of things along the way, including the huge amount of work involved. But, um, uh, ultimately, uh, it led to the, the foundation of Mentoring Men, which is a free program where we train up volunteer men like me through our own mentor training course and through suicide prevention. And then we carefully match them with a, another bloke who may be going through life challenges like job loss, relationship breakdown, loneliness, or isolation. So that was it. It was uh, off and running. We launched in uh, November 2018. Uh, initially launched with uh, funding from my wife and I. Uh, and after a relatively slow start, it, it gained huge momentum um, to the point where in 2021, I was able to step aside as a CEO. In fact, about four weeks ago, I stepped off the board, still an ambassador for the program. And thousands of men have engaged uh, within Australia. It officially only operates in Australia. Uh, obviously, I'm one of the men volunteer mentors. Unofficially, I'm mentoring a young guy in Johannesburg, as well as one in in South Africa, as well as one in uh, in Australia. 
So it's going from strength to strength. The the budget now is about a, a over a million dollars a year. Oh wow! Um, and and there's a dedicated paid team. So uh, my my dream for it is becomes a worldwide free program of men supporting men, helping men become better men. And then um, I think it's like childbirth. If you get how much work is involved, I started my second charity, uh, not for profit at the end of 2022 this is called kintsugi heroes and it's something i saw uh as someone who lacked self-confidence and self-esteem was the impact that reading people's biographies and autobiographies had on me and i had an idea back in the 1990s to capture stories of people who overcome adversity uh, to give hope and inspiration to many others like gave to me and for one reason or another uh, lack of time lack of money lack of confidence uh, it didn't happen at that time but uh, last year I decided well I'm going to do this and I let a few people know and a, a mate came to me and he said I've got the name for what you want to do and he said call it Kintsugi I said well never heard of that and he explained what it is and my cup of tea here the legend is there was a Japanese emperor who had some valuable pottery this is a two dollar cup don't look too close <laughs> and, and over time it it uh it showed signs of wear and tear it chipped it cracked it it uh it just bits came off it and he said to his craftsmen fix it make it like brand new and they couldn't do it but what they could do was highlight the cracks with a precious metal like gold so now when you look at it it's far more beautiful it's far more valuable than what it was before. It's interesting. You try try and buy a piece of Kintsugi pottery. It's incredibly expensive. So it's a metaphor for the Michaels and the Ians of the lift experiences we go through, which help make us more valuable, more resilient in terms of to ourselves, but also to the broader community. And Michael, I know we've only just met, but I'm assuming that what drives you within your this podcast is to use your lived experience to help others around yes. you. So initially, my goal, the reason I started down this second not-for-profit, was to provide hope and inspiration, letting people know that others have gone through a similar lived experience to them and then have overcome that. But I've, I've actually expanded that. as, as I've, I've learned a lot through doing this, this process. And what I've seen is that many people have gone through severe challenges reframe that to actually see it as an asset they see that as, and it's it's i read the story of someone of this uh young corporate woman who was in the twin towers on 9 11 and the story was horrendous but she is so thankful she went through the event and i i still can't get my head around that but but that's so the, the so one of the goals here is just to help people reframe that and the second thing is to educate people like me how best to support someone who's going through life challenges. And this um, this process is taking me down the uh, homelessness path. It's taking me down the addiction path. It's taking me down paths that I had no experience in before, and it's given me a much broader understanding. A lot of uh, conscious and unconscious uh, bias, prejudices, judgments that I had before are, are disappearing, and I found I find it a much easier place to 
to uh, uh, to support people, to understand people. When I was going down trying to understand about drugs, and you know, I remember saying to one of the guys once, I've never taken an illicit drug in my life, and he just looked at me gobsmacked and <laughs> he had trouble believing it. And that's yeah, a sad reflection in a way. But um, I was talking to one of our uh, mentoring men, mentors, used to take drugs, and he said something that just totally transformed my thinking. He said, Ian, if you want to reduce illicit drug usage, he said, stop sexual abuse. Now, it took me about five seconds to understand what he was saying. And when it did, it transformed my thinking. The old Ian would point to the homeless person that was taking drugs or whatever and judge them based on the symptom. But when we understand that in many cases, as an example, this is just one example, that that person is, is doing what they're doing to numb some horrific pain yeah. that's happened in the past, it moves it moved my focus from judgmental to huge amounts of empathy and feeling for that person. And it just totally changed how I see that situation. And that's been the case in, in many things. So uh, I think you asked me one quick question. Why did I do it? And I've let you know uh, why and, and what I've done. Yeah, but that brings me to thinking with both organizations, how has that helped your own mental health? Uh, hugely, hugely. I worked for 42 years in the corporate world. I was um, in the IT space, managed to work my way into relatively well-paid positions, which helps fund uh, what I do here. And for various reasons, we often put on a facade in life. Yeah. Uh, particularly for men, um, we lack vulnerability. Now, I love the Brené Brown video, uh, the TED Talk around shame and vulnerability. And we lose an understanding of who our authentic self is. We, you know, it, it, the point, we, we a man breaks an arm, there's no hesitation going to the doctor uh, to, get it, to get it looked at. But when they're feeling sad or down or got a mental illness or they're grieving or whatever, there's this reluctance to reach out. So there's, there's things at play here that take us away from our authentic self. And I'm, I'm, I was one of those. I was that to, a, to, the, to the hill, even on the, in the sporting fields. So you know, um, and what this journey has shown me is the power of vulnerability. As part of our... Uh, mentor training course uh, so it's a two day course the first day is aimed at just building relationships and building trust and the second day this I didn't develop the course but there was the second day there was this talking circle which I'd never heard of before and then I I had a look at it and I thought oh this is going to suck I don't want to do this <laughs> and the, the talking circle for those who don't know it's it's uh, the group in this case a group of men uh, sit around there's an object that's passed from one to the other. Whoever has the object speaks. And the rules are basically no one interrupts. We're encouraged to speak about what we're feeling. And where, if you want to, you just say pass, pass it on to the next person. And it's, it's fortunate that I wasn't the first person because I just was, I had this huge reluctance to share the inner Ian. But the, I remember the very first guy, his words, opening words were, I miss my dad. And then he started talking about the relationship with his father. 
And another guy said, I can't get access to my children. Uh, another one said, you know, my mum gambled away our house. And it went, so it ran the room. And it's interesting, by the time it got to me, I had no then hesitation sharing what was going on. So the my mental health has improved because I'm far more authentic. I've developed a team. Uh, last Saturday, we have this peer mentor, peer support group, which is sort of like the talking circle in a way, but it's a bunch of mentoring men, mentors. And they're all, we're all on each other's team. We're there, we can share whatever's going on, no judgment, and then their support. Very powerful position to be in. Plus, I've learned a lot through the process. So I'm not qualified in any of this space, but I've learned a lot um, um, around the sorts of challenges people have, and in particular men, and, and can recognise trauma. I, I, I understand in many cases where there's suicide ideation and, and um, what steps I can take to help improve that situation so it's uh yeah it's been a huge learning curve for me but um can i share a story around um be becoming authentic it's a long story if i've got a couple of minutes yes please so my wife and i are keen bike riders and in september last year we were on a bike riding tour around the greek islands we're on this like a it's almost like a pirate ship with about 20 other cyclists, most of America, interestingly. And we would go from island to island. So we download the bikes and then you ride around the island and get back on and ride to, uh, go to another island. And at one stage, the tour guide takes us up this uh, hill, I call it mountain, and he stops us and he, and he points to an island on the horizon and said, that island is owned by the Onassis family. And he started telling us the story of uh, Aristotle Onassis. And for, in Greece, he's seen as a bit of a, a hero. He's a, um, it, it's a success story. So he was born into poverty, but then started making his money in the black market with tobacco. And then he invented packaged cigarettes and made an absolute fortune. And then he moved into shipping and became, I think, the world's biggest shipping magnate. I think he was the richest man in the world at some point. And most Americans know that he married uh, JFK's widow, Jackie Onassis, yeah. and um, then went on and had a string of uh, relationships and affairs. And the guide finished off saying that uh, Onassis was quoted to have said, uh, they tell you money can buy love, but I want to tell you it's not true. I'm the richest man in the world. I've never found true love. And I couldn't help myself. I put up my hand. And I, I, so I just want to query your definition of success. So you've got someone who's invented a product that's killed millions of people and caused countless harm to, to millions more and then never found true love. I, so I would argue that someone who's poor but had strong family connections and relationships is far more successful than an asses. And when I got back to Australia, I woke up jet lagged. And for my own benefit, I wanted to put a, a slide together that crystallized my thoughts around this. And I've taken the liberty on the right-hand side of the slide to talk about my definition of what our best life is. And my definition is where we use our, our skills, our talents, our experiences to positively impact the world around us. And it's where we get true joy, fulfillment. 
we start off in life on the other side of the slide. And then as we go through life journey, I've got a, a word map. And that word map shows types of things that it can impact our life and help change direction. And many of them are negative. We, we cop abuse. We get sick. We have mental illness. We have physical illness. Yeah. We have relationships break down. And one of the huge ones is the the advertising, the the, the drive to materialism, commercialism. Um, and it, it just occurred to me, based on your previous question, I mean, it can be oh, the bigger get a bigger car, a house, a boat, whatever those other things are. But it could also be this facade. Um, I'm, I'm male. Oh, what's a real man? You know? And I used to think, like, is it a cross between Indiana Jones, James Bond, Clint Eastwood? Is that a real man? And for many of us, we lose consideration of what the best life is. And I did this for me, but now I now I do community presentations. And I said, it, just for 10 seconds, if you can look at this and maybe take a step back from where your current life is headed, what would your best life look like? Are, are you actually moving to that? And I love Mark Twain quotes. I've got a Mark Twain quote at the bottom that says the two most important days in your life are the day you're born and then the day you work out why. And um, for me, uh, I've never been more fulfilled than what I'm doing. I love what I'm doing. I'm going through some physical challenges at the moment, but um, you asked about my mental health. I I've never been happier with who I am and what I'm doing, despite some of the other tough stuff that's going on. I agree. The past few years for me have been way better leaving the corporate life going, you know, working all the time and away from the house. Now with the business, I do everything home. I got to spend more time with uh, my wife, Jen, and my two kids. And it has made life. And now I do this where I try to help people, you know, uh, with whatever they're going through. So doing all that actually makes me way happier than anything else yeah yeah um i'm blessed i should have mentioned my family uh we have four kids and we had our 12th grandchild uh back oh, in October, and uh yeah like I, I work i do what i do seven days a week uh, uh as a volunteer but there's a um i love putting family things into that as well so it's uh yeah a, a real blessing what are some of the things you've learned from your wife? Early on, I was a very self-centered individual who who didn't understand uh, how hard it was to be a mother. To throw uh, we, our, our first three kids were born um, like for the first year that there was a, a two, a one, and a zero. Like for one day a year, that's how close they were. This is going to make me sound awful, but I I had the real job. I was trying to move up through the corporate ranks and always and running side hustles. But um, yeah, I, 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 I've apologized to my wife many times. It, it, interestingly, it's it hit home more. I, I've looked after some of my grandkids uh, like part-time for two days a week or whatever in conjunction with all the other stuff for, for extended periods. Like, uh, uh, and as then I realized how hard it was and uh, it's hard when you, when you're, feeling great and they're uh, um, but when you're feeling sick or tired or whatever it's yeah so 
one of the things I learned was I was a bit of a jerk uh, as uh, in early uh, parenthood, uh, fatherhood, uh, and self-centered. Uh, uh, Pre-marriage, there was this lifestyle around, a lot around sport and all that sort of stuff. And um, I didn't really understand the sacrifices. Um, that's probably the biggest lesson. Uh, um, yeah, I, I'm pleased to see that my sons-in-law and my son are far better at doing this. And this is no justification for me, but with my father's generation, the fathers weren't even there for the birth of the child. The fathers would never change a nappy. Back then, the fathers would go to work and generally the mothers would stay home. So no excuse, but that would have been the influence to, you know, well, that's how they did it sort of thing. Um, and, and things have changed. Clearly, you know, more and more uh, both parties work. And in fact, there's even cases I've got people I know where the, the wife works and the, and the husband looks after the kids and all that sort of stuff. So, so um, yeah, it's there's a good trend there around fathers becoming more and more involved and sharing the load and, uh, yeah, doing the right thing. I know for me, living with mental illness, uh, seeing videos of people, you know, having similar situations and su succeeding mean a lot to me than, you know, any tips or anything like that. What has some of the feedback been for these stories that you're telling? Um, it's been huge. And I sh should explain our stories cover all types of adversity. There's really nothing yeah. off the radar. So the, the very first one we did was around grief, but we talk about physical disability, uh, mental illness, um, addiction, um, uh, 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 trauma, um, all those sorts of things. One of the key learnings, it's, it's, I'm always hungry to learn new things. And um, one of the stories we captured initially incredibly powerful story this this guy was on national australian tv uh, he'd given a couple of ted talks and the story's almost unbelievable but it but obviously it's true um and I'll, I'll share his story then i'll share the lesson i learned yeah so at two he was physically abused by his father permanently uh lost hearing at 10 he was abandoned into an orphanage with his three siblings he was classified uh, i think I think it's a psychopath. I get psychopath and psychotic, but I think it was psychopath. Um, treated horrendously in the orphanage. And then fast forward, he's in his 40s. He's living in the bush in northern New South Wales in Australia. He's drug addicted. He's alcohol addicted. Incredibly violent. and Living as a hermit. And um, incredibly unwell. He then gets nearly killed by a car, finishes up in hospital, and then goes through this transformation to get, uh, and I, I, it's a long story, but he goes through transformation and finishes up becoming a professor. I connected to him. He's the professor of one of the mentors in, in Mentoring Men, and he actually advises the state government on homelessness. So come through all this horrendous ups. ups in fact, in his 60s, he's become a father for the first time. Now, to me, that was a story. Wow, that's, a, that's an Ian story. A couple of weeks later, um, a woman approached me and said, 
can she share her story? And I'd known her, this woman, for about 30 years. I thought, well, and this is the judgmental end. I'm not sure you've got a story. And But she wanted to, so I, I said, sure. So I don't do the hosting. Someone else does the hosting. And I said to the host, well, how did that go? She said, oh, it was good. And I only see saw the story when it was published. And the story was that she, like a lot of, she's similar to my age. Back then, a lot of women just left school, high school early to go and get a temporary job, secretary, whatever, till they got married and had kids. Which And she followed that path. And her husband was quite successful. And she was, they were known as Glenn and Glenn's wife. And then the kids' names. And ultimately, the husband left and then she's left there no qualifications, absolutely. One of the things he successfully did was just reduce any confidence she had. She had no, she right. thought she was stupid. Um, and she aspired, she thought it was totally out of reach to become the lowest rung nurse, maybe if I did that course. But uh, she did that and then she moved up and she's now made a, a great life for herself. She's gone on to do more and more study at, uh, with, and, uh, and supported kids. And her story was loss of identity through marriage, the loss of confidence. And when I looked at the podcast figures, far more people related to Jenny's story than the first story. So my thought was the story had to be, wow, that's incredible. But the reality was the story had to be relatable. And a lot of women came up to me and that's my story. That I relate to that story, and um, so that that was that was one of the lessons. There's so many other things that I've learned, um, yeah, around all the all the adversity uh, topics I mentioned, and I'll continue to learn. Oh, yeah. How does it feel that you are making an impact in these people's lives? Um, I've always struggled to. Look back, I, as I said, when I stepped aside from the mentoring men board, there was a big, there was a speech and a presentation, and people, oh, Ian, you must feel great about the legacy, and and I, I guess I'm too busy. I've never been yeah. one to look back. Maybe later on, I'm too busy. I'm too forward focused. Um, I've, I've put in huge amount of time into uh, Kintsugi Heroes at the moment. Yeah. Um, we've just signed an agreement to. Uh, have the, we provide the content for free to a national radio network in Australia? Oh, that's awesome! So they're, they're, they're they're playing the, the, the our stories to hundreds of thousands of, of people, and I'm looking around other avenues. So there's just so many things involved in that. But my goal is it will go like mentoring men. Uh, you know, we're looking uh, for a sponsor or a supporter if someone what we're doing resonates with someone who's listened to this podcast please contact me i'd love to i'll always be a volunteer with this stuff but i'd love to take a step back and appoint a team so i've got a volunteer team and a small paid team but i've got i'd love to appoint a team to do this and then maybe then michael i could take a step back and <laughs> reflect and on think it. about it yeah yeah but i i could say hand on my heart without a doubt mentoring men has saved the lives of men saved like uh, they wouldn't be here if it wasn't for mentoring men and it's also transformed the lives of men and th- that feedback has come cons- consistently and 
um, around Kintsugi heroes, like we uh, several of the stories we cover, uh, suicide ideation and things like that. And uh, yeah, I'm 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 hopeful that we'll go down the same path. Confident, even. How can people reach out and learn more? Um, so for mentoring men, at the moment, the program's only involved in Australia, but I'd be happy to chat to anyone about that if they, um, the, um, the, the website is uh, mentoringmen.org.au. Uh, um, and for Kintsugi Heroes, uh, it's a tricky word, so I'll spell it. It's uh, Kintsugi, K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I, heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S, dot com. Dot au, or they can reach out to me by email at ian at kintsugiheroes.com.au. And often people ask me what's involved in setting up a not-for-profit, so I can happy to share some thoughts and knowledge. Not an expert, but I've, I've, I've done this a couple of times now. Um, if people have got ideas for stories, or as I said, if they want to sponsor what we do, this get a lot of bang for buck. It doesn't cost that much to do this, but we, we we issue our, our stories as uh, uh, video podcasts, as uh, audio podcasts, and we've got a, an author who takes the transcript of the conversation. We've got the first two books being produced as we speak, and there'll be a whole series of books. My dream is that someone going through a life challenge can readily find a story where they where they connect with the storyteller. Yeah. And they they resonate with them, and then that story relates to their situation. And it could be the um, the migrant from this country in a wheelchair, um, um, who's who's been through this experience. There's a story. 